Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And we're here at Chris's house. And we're doing a podcast. <laughs> yes, we are. We just went to a haunted house in your neighborhood. We did, yeah. Um, it is Halloween. Uh, it's November 1st, but so I guess Halloween is over. Still in my heart. Yeah. As everyone in my neighborhood uh, did, they uh, threw away the decorations, <laughs> set their houses on fire. And, <laughs> um, well, your neighborhood is goes above and beyond it's the coolest neighborhood so i thought well surely they'll have it up the day after so i can bring my kids and they're like nope everybody shut all the lights off yeah, just my house um but the burned all their candy there it was two houses that pulled their efforts and did a haunted house uh, together and that they're still open so they're very like a, impressive yeah so they're like a lone like halloween beacon <laughs> in the neighborhood but uh, even the, the front yard of the one was amazing it had a whole graveyard set up and talking pumpkins and then you go into the back, they had a little kid section set up, and then a real haunted house that was tarps, and I don't know what else they used, like, maybe like those pallets for this, I don't know, it was amazing, yeah. very impressive. So I didn't actually get to see the haunted house. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But um, you said it was awesome, you and your daughter went. You could have gone in by yourself. I was not going to And the little girl would have scared you. They would have just been sad. <laughs> They would just gently push me out. Well, I was very proud of Elise. I don't think you understand how scared of stuff she used to be. Well, I know you always talk about it, so I was, that's why I told you there was a little kid area. I didn't know how lame the little kid area really was. <laughs> it was pretty small. Yeah. It was I mean, small. that's for little kids. Yes. Like, uh, I didn't quite realize that. Like, babies, they just kind of crawl through it. Right. Yeah. right. But Adam walked through it quickly. He did. He was kind of into it. He liked the aliens. Yeah. There's some sort of alien slideshow. But the the actual haunted house area, I was very surprised. Elise went in. I was very proud of her. And there's a guy with a chainsaw. That was really scary. Yeah. So, so when I lived in Mississippi, there was something that was called the haunted forest. And it was like at a park and it was outside and it was dark and you'd go through the forest. And then at the end, there's always people with chainsaws and it was the scariest thing ever. Um, so that still really scared me. Like when I we went through this one little... Because you go through like these flaps, you know, so you don't know what's behind there either. And so we went through this one flap and then this is at the house tonight. And there was like all this fog and a green light. And all you could see was the shadow of the guy with the chainsaw and the chainsaw. And you couldn't tell how close he was to you. We ran out the side of the tarp. It was really scary. It's very impressive. That's amazing. That's my goal in life. I want to be that house in the neighborhood. Well, speaking of chainsaws. <laughs> um, this one has a scary one. Yeah. So this uh, <laughs> this movie does have a scary chainsaw. <laughs> um, so this movie we're doing this week is uh, probably one of the, the scariest movies. Don't you agree that we've ever done? I yes. mean, this is silly because this is a horror podcast. We always talk about horror movies. But this is up there. Yes. Uh, and this is one that I didn't see until... Uh, I'm actually not really remembering, but I know I wasn't a kid. Like most of these movies I talk about when I was a kid and yeah. how awesome I was. But this was like taboo, even for me. Yeah, it was Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we're talking about. Um, but now we're talking about the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, 2003. <laughs> <Right>. Jessica Biel. <laughs> the classic. 
Um, all kidding aside, have you have you seen the remake? I've not seen yeah. it. Okay. I, I think I kind of remember seeing it. I think it was similar. It was bloodier. There was probably mm. more. I read a little bit about more Jessica online. Biel. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I know I did see the one with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, I have not and seen Renee that Zellweger, one. But I guess that wasn't really a remake. That was just one. Of the no, sequels. that was a rem- that was ten days till we kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Never been. No. Uh, Ten things I hate about you. Oh, or whatever. We, we, we were not going to do that. None of those are right. <laughs> it's not a romantic comedy com- right. podcast. Um, so that that said, I, I was I was actually nervous when you just kind of unil- unilaterally decided that we were doing. <laughs> I did. Well, it's on Netflix. Well, okay. What are you going to do? It's right there. That's true. You should have a warning or something. Yeah. So I was nervous just because I would have to rewatch it, and I've this is one of the ones I've really only seen maybe a handful of times probably three or four times because it's just that intense for me and you know now i I feel like i've gained i finally kind of crossed that barrier where i think i can watch it all the time now because i Hmm. it's kind of it's finally clicked for me where i just love it i guess i've seen enough times where it's not too terrifying although last night i was you know just it it is you know it's it's terrifying (laughs) it is okay well we'll get into it in a minute sure but first let's cleanse our palates and talk about what we've been watching Okay, well, do you want to go first or shall I? Go ahead. Okay, well, I've uh, rewatched. What have you been watching? I rewatched um, Breaking Bad. What do you mean you rewatched Breaking Bad? Watch the all six seasons? Yeah. Five, <laughs> and, yeah, and is that that weird? I mean, people do that. Yeah, but since the last time we saw each other? Well, I had already started. Okay. Um, so in the past, I don't know, three years, I rewatched <laughs> um, the entire show of Breaking Bad, uh, which I believe is five seasons. Um, well, yes, it is five, but they broke up the last one yeah, member into... Yeah, and there's only like 10 or 12 episodes per season, so that's not that crazy. You're right. Um, and I just forgot. I mean, I know a lot of people say, like, it's the best show ever, and I always get a little bit mad, because I'm like, no, it's The Sopranos, shut up. Um, but it is a, uh, just an awful good show. Yep, I mean, I just, it is. I just forgot how incredible it was. But, and, you know, I guess if you haven't watched the show, I'm sorry, I've been talking about it for four minutes or so. <laughs> um, well, I um, had started to rewatch it. I rewatched about the first four episodes so i'm way behind you way behind well the reason i really wanted to is because they announced the el camino movie right. which i got excited about but i really i mean i remember the broad strokes of this the show but i didn't feel like I, like i forgot what happened to jesse yeah i mean it went off uh, the air five years ago because yeah. i remember i was pregnant i was very very pregnant with adam and really? i remember thinking if i go into labor and i miss the season finale of breaking bad i'm gonna never let this kid let it go <laughs> But one thing uh, that um, stuck out to me this time is just how evil and just a dickish Walt is kind of from the beginning, I think. Oh, I noticed that watching the first few episodes, too, and you see him already. His natural instinct is to lie. Yeah. Even when it's just about little things. Yeah, and also, you know, and not to do my feminist take that I do on everything, but I'm completely Team Skyler, like, all uh, yeah. the way. Well, um, except... I was rewatching the beginning, and she he just wants to smoke some pot, and she's like, "All oh, gets all the the first season like, why maybe can't he smoke she, some pot." Yeah, the, the reputation she has in that show is probably because of the first season, like a lot of people think she's very annoying and like his like hindering him and his you know criminal yeah, empire. Yeah. I guess. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm completely on her side once uh, it yeah, gets into she's it. Absolutely, she actually she does a great job. She, she helps him. So, well, I'm thinking about mostly just the actress. I don't yeah. know why she didn't win every Emmy. Uh, maybe she did, but she is so good in that show. I've also seen her since then in Deadwood. I didn't quite know she was in that. She's a great actress. Um, But I'm totally on her side the entire way. Uh, I mean, I like Walt because he's, you know, the anti-hero. But but he's 
pretty he's a bad guy and i guess that's kind of the point of the show you don't quite see it until the end the, the idea is that he's kind of maybe always been maybe he's a little breaking evil. bad or has he already broken bad right um but i guess once you know where it's going maybe it's just easier to kind of spot all that but he's kind of just a sociopath he does lie all the time yeah um and when it's convenient to him or when he just feels like it um so i'm team skylar i'm team jesse uh pretty much everybody but team walt Anyway, fantastic show. So I watched El Camino yes. this week um, because I finished the show. And, I mean, I, and I'm glad I watched the, the show because I, I don't think it would have caught most of what's going on. But I really liked it. Um, I loved it. I, I see it as mostly a Jesse Plemons vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it was, it was a little distracting that he was like twice as big as he was, right? It was. It like was. They, they put a little air pump in him and pumped him up <laughs> yeah. with air. But once I got over that, that first five minutes, I just thought it's so hilariously, it's, they just don't care. So it's like, <laughs> right, you just kind of go right. with it. Jesse's like, look, like I put on like 50 pounds. Yeah. It's fine. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like like Brian was saying, even um, Aaron Paul looked a little rounder. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's got to be 40 now, don't you think? Yeah. And he, in his show, he was in his 20s. It is a bit silly, I guess, but... <laughs> Because the show only takes place over the course of a year, I think. It takes place like in 2008 or in 2009. Because they always made the point like, oh, it's been a year. Um, but really, it's six years. So they age six years plus an additional six years all the time that it's supposed to be. Right. So he's kind of right. Weird. Yeah. And, and of course, Mike looks like he's 105. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so he has to be a uh, better call Saul. Yeah. And he's still, I mean, I guess he just still looks old. But the younger, I don't know. Uh, I need to catch up on that show. Oh, it's so good. Um, Vince Gilligan can have like 10 minutes of Jesse just like in an apartment looking for something and it's riveting. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. Well, I think my favorite scene uh, of all time now is just Jesse Plemons in the car singing along, singing that song <laughs> and doing it. That was the most adorable thing I've ever seen. And that character is so great. I just it for- really I is. forgot how, how um, he's so pleasant and nice, but apparently he's also just a complete psychopath yeah or is he i don't know i can't i can't really figure him out but i thought it was wonderful yeah it was a good movie um so what have you been watching i watched the whole season of the politician okay tell me about that okay it's a ryan murphy joint (laughs) which i didn't realize at first that makes sense now because it's him and brad falchuk and then brad falchuk is now married to gwyneth paltrow so gwyneth paltrow is in it Oh, I didn't make that. I knew she was in it, but I didn't make that connection. But it is a total just love letter to Wes Anderson. I don't know why people aren't t- more talking about this. Maybe, I don't know if like people, like younger people nowadays, do they know Wes Anderson? Like, have they gone back? Unless people have already been into him, do they realize that and there's no way you can't watch Politician and just go, oh my gosh, that's it's, it's the same music. It's the same shots. It's the same eccentric characters. It's the same quick shots of dialogue. I mean, it's got Gwyneth Paltrow in it, who is Margot Tenenbaum. Yeah, well, I was about to say, I mean, as far as... It's got a lot of the other same actors. I mean, they know what they're doing. It's 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 Rushmore. Hmm. I just assumed it was a Ryan Murphy Insanity, you know. Also, is it good? I mean, oh, I love it. Uh, okay. Okay. So I'm in love with Ben Platt. And Ben Platt is from what? I've heard his name, but Dear Evan Hansen. Which is a play. It's a musical. Okay. Yeah, he won a Tony for it. It's amazing. I listen to it all the time. And now I got Elise listening to it. And I was letting Elise listen to his new album. 
And she was just like, would you marry Ben Platt? And I was like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) And she was just like, over daddy? And I was like, well, one, he's 26, he's gay, and he's like a a star. So I think it's okay. I don't think I have a chance. (laughs) What'd she say? She said she just laughed. He's wonderful in it, and he gets to sing in it sometimes. Gwyneth Paltrow is great. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's husband is also... He's in all the Christopher Guest movies. You know, um, God, this name's on the tip of my tongue. The guy, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't, Bob Balaban? Yes, Bob Balaban. Um, Wow, he's married to Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, because he's very, 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 he's he's a billionaire. Um, Is she in it a lot, or is she kind of like a... She's like good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to watch it. She plays Ben Platt's mom. Well, this is a pretty rave review, because I was a little bit on the fence, because Ryan Murphy can be hit or like wildness <laughs> so. well and then I, when i first started the first episode then i went and read reviews because you know that's what we like to do and then ruin things and then everyone was like eh, it's got no heart it's got you know it's it's looks good but it's not and i was like well i'll keep watching it and i'm glad i did because i absolutely love it okay i started rewatching it actually well, maybe the critics didn't like watch all of it maybe they just watched the first couple or something i don't know i loved it because it's also do you know the story of um blushard and her mother it's like a, is it's a, like a, a true, true crime, crime It's a true crime story. <laughs> is this the true crime for the episode? <laughs> okay, and then also so Jessica Lange is in it, of course. Oh, I didn't know that. So Jessica Lange plays like the um, Dee Dee Lachard character and then um, Zoe Dutch, I think is how you say her name. She's in a lot of stuff. Young girl. She plays the Gypsy Rose, who's, uh, this is the true crime kind of thing. And so there's a, that's kind of going on. And then there's Ben Platt trying to become president and then there he's he has a girlfriend but he's in love with this other guy january jones shows up as one of the girl's moms and dylan mcdermott is in it and he is wonderful and i just love the whole thing so it's pretty much his whole like (laughs) review yes okay so what are we drinking we are what are we drinking chris (laughs) Well, I was very proud of myself because I will say the original idea was just to get a Texas beer. <laughs> yeah. And the beer that the guy in the grave robbing scene is drinking, this word drunk, is something called Pearl. And I don't think it exists anymore. It's some sort of Texas beer. So my you next You didn't thought, go and find it and track it down? No, I did not. Um, this is what I was doing at work, just Googling Texas <laughs> beers. Um, so then I thought, okay, well, we'll just do Shinerbach. That's a Texas beer. And then Kristen tells me that we've already done Shinerbach. And you said, oh, right. just let them, let's just do it again. So, no one will know. Well, no, no, my thought was, well, we'll do it again and make the listeners guess which episode we've already done it in. Okay. And it'd be like a guessing game. So then I got to Publix and then I was kind of depressed because I didn't really want to do that. But then I got the, you didn't see like the Oktoberfest one? No, they didn't have it. Okay. Um, and I even had the Sharon Block in my in my cart, and I was like <laughs> slowly plowing through the grocery store, like just growling at everybody. Um, but then I got to the wine aisle, and I found a wine. It's a um, Cabernet, and on the um, label, it's simply a um, just a hammer. Yeah. And it looks deadly. But like, but yeah, one of those like tack hammers. Like, yeah. Yeah. With like red ribbon around it. So. Yeah. And so the wine, if you're curious, it's called, uh, again, it's a Cabernet and it's called Arch Rival Wine Company. Rivals in big letters. And I guess it's out on Modesto, California. Government warning. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a very moody label. And obviously the hammer reminded me of really the main, the, it's actually the main killing tool in the movie. Yeah. I mean, they call it Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. But as most people on the internet point out, only one person gets killed with a chainsaw. Yeah. Someone gets chopped up with one, but only one gets killed. Yeah. So it should be the Texas Hammer Massacre. 
The uh, Texas Hammer Massacre. Doesn't sound as <laughs> scary. Um, <laughs> if it was called that, I probably would have seen it when I was eight. I'd be like, that sounds awesome. Um, oh, wait, I have a present for you. Oh, okay. Stickers. Ooh. Kristen just handed me stickers from our podcast. With our, with our great new logo that my friend Catherine Ross made. Yeah, uh, Catherine Ross, I don't know you, but you did a fantastic job on our logo. It's, it's just everything I could hope for. Well, so she made that for me for Julie and I's Halloween show. And I was like, this is so cool. So I asked her to kind of help me rework it to make it our logo. Now I'm going to stick them up all over the Atlanta streets. Okay, friends of mine that listen to the show, you're going to get a sticker. And if you guys want a sticker, anyone who leaves us a review on iTunes and then sends us a DM and let us know, I'll send you one for free. How many did you get? Like 50? Oh, yeah. These are awesome. All right, so let's get into it. Kind of, now, if, if, if you come last weekend, I could put them out in the trick-or-treating. Just put them in the, <laughs> the kids' bags. They're all teenagers. <laughs> Leave us a review, and I'll give you an extra piece of candy. <laughs> come in here and listen to my podcast. Do you have your iPhone on you? <laughs> Just whip it out real quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure trick-or-treat. Never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> well, so this is... When people ask me what my favorite horror movie is, I always say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do you do really? Yes. Well, well, I wonder what movie I would have guessed it was because I've never, I haven't really heard you talk about it that much. Well, I think that's what I always go back to. Like, I can't, I, I never really like. I'm always like, you know, I think it's got to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That one just sticks with me the most. How many times do you think you've seen it? Could you guess? I mean, not all, maybe like five, because okay. it is like a, it's an intense it's a bit movie. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, this movie, um, not not even this movie, but the idea of this movie, because I never saw it until I was probably a teenager or adult. Um, just for some reason, I just heard about it, and it just the very idea of it scared me so bad. Um, and I think it's just the tool; it's the chainsaw itself. Mm. They always scared me. I thought there'd be nothing more painful in the entire world than being chainsawed death, or whatever the verb of that is. Um, and also, where I grew up, um, there was a pipeline next oh. to me and people would ride their motorcycles down yeah there. <laughs> which is what you told adam you're like when we were at the little haunted house and here the chainsaw you told him it's a motorcycle yeah i'll send him a flashback <laughs> um so the motorcycles would make me think it was a chainsaw at mm-hmm. midnight because they would do it all night uh and also uh, i was at my friend's house one time and i actually strangely enough did see the texas chainsaw Massacre part three interesting leatherface <laughs> Which I may be wrong, but I think Viggo Mortensen's in that. It's weird. Um, and I, for some reason, I was able to watch that and be kind of okay with it because it wasn't the one that I knew was supposed to be so scary. I at least knew that at that point. Mm. And also, uh, the main reason I'd seen any of it at all was there was a movie from the 80s called Summer School, which is about a summer school. <laughs> it's a comedy. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, it's one of these raunchy comedies, and it's about a Mark Harmon gets in trouble, I believe, and has to teach summer school. And one of the characters in it, his favorite movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, okay. And he shows it to the class. And so if you watch the movie, they show clips from the movie. And I watched that. And I would, I would rewind, rewind it all the time so I could see the clips from That's it. That's so cute. <laughs> and, I, and I think it was the last scene where Leatherface yeah. is uh, waving the chainsaw yeah. around. And I was, like, fascinated. Um, but I wouldn't watch the movie. I just wouldn't because it just I just I knew it was going to be the scariest thing ever. And I wasn't wrong. I, I mean, I didn't watch it. I, I did not watch all these like scary movies when I was a kid. We, we weren't allowed to. I didn't know they existed. Um, so something like this, I just never would have known. And it wasn't until I got into horror in my early 20s 
that I made Brian watch it. And I still remember very vividly, we were at Brian's little apartment. He just had one little room, you know. We put the DVD in, and we were, like, getting our drinks or whatever. And it was just... This is the first time you saw it? Yeah. And just, like, the DVD um, screen, you know, or, you know, whatever, like, when the play, pause, whatever came up. And it was just that... You know, like the Uh, flash and just that sound. I remember freaking me out. And then we watched it and it just freaked me out. I just loved it so much. Brian, (laughs) I would never make him watch that again. It is so disturbing, but not like in the way you think. Like when you like you were saying earlier, like one of your friends had said that there was guts in it or something and there's not. There's very little anything you don't see anything you don't yeah, see anyone get chainsawed that's one of the funny things that you never see chainsaw touch flesh except for at the end yeah when leatherface hits his own himself, leg which is still kind of scary but um you don't see well yeah we'll get into it but yeah so i think it's you think about it as being scarier or bloodier than it is when you go back and watch it but because it's so disturbing yeah. it like doesn't need that but if you read uh, the reviews from the time they always call it like a you know, gore masterpiece and gore test. And like, and it's like, none of that is really, I don't know what they define as gory. It's horrific. Um, but there's no real, there's really not much gore in it unless you count the fact that these people are just generally gross looking. Well, I think it's, it's also when you're talking about last house on the left came out a couple of years before, before this one. Yeah. And that I could not get through. That's one of the few I've not been because in, like, yeah. I, like with this movie too, there's no sexual abuse, there's no rape, which which really triggers something in me, and so that's very hard for me. I don't ever want to watch Last House on the Left again or try. I didn't get it very far. You were there, right? Yeah. Well, now I'm trying to remember. Does that actually happen in Last House on the Left? I guess something like that happens. Yeah. Okay. Well. It's, it's like a rape revenge movie, and then and then but the worst part was they scared the girls so much that they piss themselves which also triggers me a lot and it follows that one scene oh right um which but, again just all reminds me about sexual violence and it's just but i mean this movie i mean they the final girl you know uh, sally she's brutalized for about 45 minutes of the movie and she is uh but it's i get you know it's not sexual but it's not it's not good either i would hate to be the actress <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure she's doing fine marilyn burns yeah i read about um that experience i guess we'll talk about it but yeah so this came out in 1974 the year brian was born really god he's old <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 1974 how old is he 45 really yeah it's fascinating <laughs> and then so it's directed by toby hooper yes who it's so interesting i looked up a lot of these actors and so many of and, and a lot of horror movies too not just this one but so many of them go on to only star in horror movies you know or the sequels of the horror movie they're in yeah. because they're so cemented as this particular character or something i don't know it's hard to break out of that yeah i mean I, I th- that's probably right you know i think there's probably especially back then there'd be a bit of a stigma maybe to being in a horror movie so you could only maybe travel in those circles a little bit yeah and maybe um, if that's where you're getting work then yeah, that's but where yeah you on the flip side you know the horror fans are so appreciative so if they see like say marilyn burns and anything they like you know but oh that's marilyn burns and yeah i saw i looked up um my i love kirk i thought he was like, so cute you know i'm talking about the little mop top uh, kirk is the um 
the sort of just generically handsome one, right? Yes, okay, he's yeah. adorable. Really? I, 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 I talked blandly handsome guy when I... <laughs> I, mean, I, I, don't I mean thought that he was so a, cute. But, I, I mean, I looked him up, and he was in a lot of stuff. Oh, I didn't write bland. No, I wrote the handsome guy. Okay. okay. And he did a lot of stuff, and I was wondering, like, he was in Gilmore Girls and stuff, and I was thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I watched Gilmore Girls, and he was in it. I wish I would have known who he was, because I would have been very excited to see him and stuff. So the movie famously opens with this narration, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, tries to say that it's, you know, it does the sort of Fargo thing and says this is based on a true story. Yes. Which is just not at all. I mean, <laughs> it's very, and you'll talk about the, well, or will you, uh, but you'll, it's loosely based on the Ed Gein serial killer, right. but loosely in like the most loose, loose, loose sense of the term, I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It, I don't, I mean, it's, Ed Gein was one guy. But, I yeah. mean, what you see in that house is very similar to what they found in Ed Gein's house. Well, okay. But, but there was no Texas Chainsaw Massacre no. that ever happened in any place. No. Uh, <laughs> so the narration is done by John Larroquette. Um, what? Did you know that? No. Oh, I, I'm, okay. I thought this is a, this is on Wikipedia, so I thought I was oh, going to okay. have the same facts. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if John Larroquette was famous back then, but he did the narration. And he got paid with a marijuana cigarette. What? <laughs> because this movie was made with no money. Um, so I think maybe it was just like a friend of Toby Hooper. That's not really clear. But yeah, that's his voice. And I understand he did, he did the narration for one of the sequels too, like as a joke, like after he was you know famous. It's a great introduction though. You know, it's, it's, and it ends with, you know, this is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think is very helpful when the narration <laughs> tells you the title well, of the movie. <laughs> well, why was it, they say that it was especially terrible for Sally and her brother Franklin. Well, I mean, what about everybody else? Well, but they call it Sally and her invalid brother Franklin. <laughs> but <laughs> Which, I mean, I think it was kind of worse for Pam who got hooked and then stuffed in a freezer. Well, okay. I'll say why it was kind of terrible because Sally lived. Yes. She had to spend that whole time with that family. She got she, tortured. Yes. She, she the, did still live though. She didn't suffocate in a freezer. She had the old man stuck on her finger. Yes, that's true. And her brother got freaking chainsawed. That's true. While he's just sitting there just trying to like you know, live his life. So I, I, I would agree with John Larroquette on that. <laughs> it was especially bad for them. Okay. <laughs> I would just, yeah, just throw him on the meat hook. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I would rather just be hit with the sledgehammer in the head. That Yeah, that is the easiest. Actually, you know, there is a... People were saying that it's a bit so mis- fired. misogynistic that because the men are dispatched fairly easily and the women, both of them are kind of tortured, which is kind of gets into that whole trope about, you know, women in horror movies. Well, we'll get into that, too, because I have a I have a thought on that. Interesting. So the, the opening flashes of dead bodies, the sound, you know, that yeah. there's a photograph, right? And yeah. The camera. So that's presumably the. The hitchhiker, right? right? Okay. But you really, I mean, if you're just watching it for the first time, you're probably watching it minute to minute. You're not thinking about the overall, because there's so much, there's so much to this movie. Like they, they, it's very well written as a story. You know what I mean? Like, so you introduce this first character and the second character, and then they all come together at the end. It's very interesting. I don't get that gro- I don't get grossed out that easily, but those bodies really gross me out. That You mean in the graveyard? Yes. Or and even the shots, and it also reminds me of the opening scenes of Seven. You know, and they had the flashes of the fingers and stuff, and then the opening credits of Mindhunter. They had the flashes of the dead bodies. You know. Yeah, I think you know, and also that, that the camera noise has been you know kind of duplicated a lot, especially like in horror movie trailers. It's very they did scary. That for a while. It's just it's a very unnerving sound. Yeah. Well, Oof. one of the interesting things about the movie is that in 
not really a traditional score in it. I mean, there is Ooh. some music, mm-hmm. um, but all most of the sounds are supposedly the sounds you would hear if you were in a slaughterhouse. Wow. So, well, I mean, yeah, it is like that weird ambient sound. I didn't think about what it actually was, though. Yeah, so mostly music is just is just real, like uh, you know, music they paid for, like copyright music, mm-hmm. you know, actual songs on the radio or not. Oh, okay. But even when you think you're hearing music, like the sort of you know, bong kind of horror music, it's actually like uh, <gasps> oh, it's just sounds. Uh, um, like think of the pig noises that Leatherface mm-hmm. makes. Uh, there's a lot of in the camera noises. Well, yeah, when you think about like when Leatherface pops out, it is like that. And then that could be anything. Yeah, supposedly it's not actually orchestral music of any kind or uh, made by any instrument. It's slaughterhouse sound. So that's creepy. Yes. And, there, and that whole theme of like the slaughterhouse and the cattle and them coming to the house like they're cattle. And then, yeah, I mean, they're pretty much being used. Every part of them yeah, is being the, used, I mean, just like the hitchhiker said. Yeah. I mean, the, the cattle slaughter imagery is and or theme is introduced fairly early mm-hmm. and it doesn't really go away like you know when they i mean i guess we'll talk about when they get the hitchhiker but but from the opening credits i guess one thing is always forget and again i've only seen this a handful of times because it's just that scary but i already want to watch it again so um but this is you know i'll forget that it's essentially just an independent movie like yeah. like and like the opening credits are very kind of avant-garde and weird and it's in no way conventional horror movie like at all right and I guess there's two things going on there because this is made, you know, 74. So that's four or five years before the first real slasher movie, you know, Halloween yeah. or so. Yeah. Because I, I, I was reading something, too, about how sometimes people will lump this with slasher movies, but it's really not. No, not at all. I mean, the only thing I think that you could really get in there is that it does have the sort of final girl trope. Yeah. Which but I what, love. But we, because we talked about Alien and we were thinking Alien was probably one of the first final girls but that was 70 79 yeah yeah so we we forgot about this this is the real i think but you know what i just realized is ridley scott who did alien said one of the things that inspired him to alien was takes a chance on this crew so it all comes back and then but that but that was a year after halloween too yeah which has but they would they would easily been probably shooting alien by the time Halloween came out, which I'm sure they shot in like four days. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so this is an independent movie. If this was made today, it'd be like a art house flick, maybe kind of, or at least in the vein of your hereditary or. Oh yeah, summer. definitely be a twenty four production. Yeah, oh that'd be so great. Um, uh, as it was, uh, you know, they made it for very little money. They all went broke. Um, there was some crazy story about how it was financed by the mafia. <laughs> then the, the opening, the real opening shot is that face again. Like I don't know who did the set design and the special effects but it's great you're, you're talking about the i guess the corpse on yes. the on the tombstone yeah this. and they back it away and it, it looks just like you know in the scary stories to tell in the dark books no i mean i know oh. of them <laughs> well the one story harold you know uh, yeah, how he's like him. up well the picture of him it, it just reminds me of that the way that his legs are like it's very up. creepy because you can't quite tell what's going on in the body it looks like there's something else growing out of the body i like, can't is that a second body and yeah. then in the background, you hear the news, and they're talking about the yeah. grave robbings, and there's been desecrations. And so I, I went through and listened to everything they talked about in the news. Can I tell you? Sure. So. Is it a real news story? That's what I was wondering about, too. Like, are any of these, did any of these actually happen in 1974? Well, so in the background, they're saying, they're talking about a, a, a fire that broke out in a factory that killed workers, a cholera epidemic, an outbreak of violence that started with a suicide which caused another person 
to try to attempt suicide. Foie la deux. <laughs> I think we're going to say that every episode. Yeah. Was there any, uh, what's the corn virus thing? The- oh, yeah. <laughs> they talk about a building collapse in Atlanta that killed 29 people. And then they go from that to a shot of the dead armadillo on the road. It's just like death, death, death coming at you. I got real you. excited when I saw that dead armadillo. Why? Because it's ravaging my yard right now. <laughs> I don't, oh, right, a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like you see dead bodies and then you see the corpses and then you hear about the corpses and then you hear all these stories that are so you're not maybe not listening to them but they're there and then you see a dead armadillo the stories that keep going well, as we're being introduced to like this nice little group of friends in a van it says bodies were discovered by children the flesh and the fingers had been carved away man's genitals had been removed wait so this is on the radio yes i, I didn't pick up that it's in the background wow couple arrested when their 18-month-old was found chained in the attic of the dilapidated house. And this is all going on as we're kind of introduced. This is like when they're pulled over and like um, the guys Franklin's peeing. peeing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I missed all that. I mean, I was kind of painting to the radio and I got a sense that there's stuff I was needing to be listening to. But, um, and the main thing I thought about was like the guy on the radio described it as grave robbing. I thought, this is something else. This isn't just grave robbing. They're like decorating them. And, yeah. <laughs> um, Desecration. Yeah. And of course, it reminded me of, you know, my favorite X-Files episode, Irresistible. Oh, yes. Um, but that's for another podcast. We need we need to do that one at some point. Okay. Um, <laughs> Why are you saying it's so sad? We can do it. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so we uh, are introduced to the friends. I'm glad you mentioned it that way because it's, it's kind of funny. Like, it's unclear, like, the whole movie, like, who are these people? I know, but I love that, that yeah. they, like, they don't have to do a big exposition on yeah. who they are, where they're going. Where are they going? <laughs> Why is one in a wheelchair? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, so there's, uh, I mean, there's five people. There's three guys, two girls. There's Sally, the final girl, mm-hmm. um, who is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Her brother is... And lost her bra somewhere. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> and, her, and her underwear, because there's no way she's wearing underwear in those tight pants. Um, well, she's, she's, I like her little bell bottoms, though. I do, too. So, um, Sally, her brother is Franklin, who's in a wheelchair. We'll talk about him later. Then there's uh, three others. There's um, Jerry, who is who's, the driver. She seems to be with him. Right, that's my question. Are they? I mean, because we assume that because they just sort of pair off, but it's... I assume they're dating, but that's just because they I were. I think there's one scene where they're kind of snuggling together. And, okay. And then, but they're not clearly. Pam and Kirk are together. Are they? I mean, they run off to the watering hole together or whatever, and yeah, but they just seem like they're because there's. I mean, are they friends? I don't know, but yeah, I, everybody's I, just fucking in the seventies. I, I guess. just I just assume they were the same thing too. But then when I went online, they're like they're just five friends. I'm like, well, okay, but yeah, I guess I guess they could be. Um, but beyond that, we know friends with benefits. Yeah, beyond that, we know absolutely nothing about them other than I mean, what they do, who they are, what where they're going. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, I, I like well, that. I guess conceivably they're going to see their grandfather's grave. That they, I guess, they heard the radio story, so they yes. think maybe it's been desecrated. But I, but it's also I guess they turned it kind of turned it into a road trip. Yeah, which is kind of fun. But, I guess they were like, we're gonna go check on Grandpa's grave. And let's go and check out the old house we used to go to. Yeah, so, and we're gonna go on a little road trip together. So I mean, I guess they're from Texas. I mean, they have southern accents, I suppose. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe they're from Franklin. Austin or something. Yeah, but there's there's no real introduction to them. Even like Sally, like in most movies, when there's the main girl, there'll be some. You know, like think Sydney Prescott sort yes, of yes. tragic backstory, which even in that movie they're making kind of making fun of that backstory. You know, yeah. God bless Scream. Um, 
but there'd be that or, or something, you know, and they, they're just none of that. She's just like a blank canvas. Yeah. <laughs> just blonde and, yeah. You know, um, but not like in a sort of ditzy way or anything like that. She no, just, just kind of like a, it seems like before this, they were just, which I think it makes it scarier because yeah. like, so Sydney Prescott had to go through all this terrible stuff and she, she's had to deal with finding her mother's body and it's all this heavy stuff. But you're watching this and you're like, oh, they have just lived normal teenage kid lives. And now they're what, maybe in their 20s and they're going on a road trip and they don't expect anything like this to happen. Yeah, they just seem like normal. They, they seem like real people. I mean, they're it's fairly well acted. They don't, you know, they just seem like it's almost like a documentary type feel. Like you feel like you're just kind of interrupting this journey of these friends or, or lovers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Toby Hooper's like, he does like quick shots back and forth to things. So like, um, like just for instance, when they're at the gas station, well, this is kind of after a lot of stuff has happened, but like the girls are trying to get a Coke out of the Coke machine and then they, they kind of cut back to them in the van and, and it makes it kind of jarring. Like you, where you, it kind of puts you on the edge of your seat, but not for any real reason. Kind of like, kind of reminded me of the last scene of Sopranos, Meadow trying to park the car and you're like, I don't know why I feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, and so Pam is in the car and she's reading the horoscope talking about how Saturn is in retrograde and so that is evil. But then you also, you're hearing the news and it kind of made me, was, it just made me think that like things are, are things always evil around them and they don't realize it? This evil has been going on in this house for generations, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're just kind of oblivious. Um, yeah. Just traveling through the world. Um, and they're thinking, oh, now because Saturn's in retrograde, and it's like, well, none of that matters. This is always there. Hello there. Kristen here. Thank you so much for listening. We want to invite you to come join our Facebook group. Sometimes groups are better. There are a lot of cool people in there. We talk about the movies Chris and I review, new horror movies coming out, true crime, pop culture. It's really fun. We would also be so grateful if you would go on iTunes and subscribe and rate and review or subscribe on whatever podcasting app you use. It really helps us to be seen by more awesome people like you. And we want to continue to build this great community. Also, follow us on Instagram at Sometimes Dead Podcasts. We'll post pictures of the drinks we're drinking or pictures of the true crimes we're doing. While you're there, follow Gabby Watts, who does our amazing theme song. Follow her band at Gabby Rotts, G-A-B-B-I-E-R-O-T-T-S. And remember, sometimes dead is better. So, um, so after the graveyard, they um, and this is again where they introduce the slaughter theme. Is that the right word? Yeah. Early, you know, uh, I think it's Franklin or someone says, "Oh God, you know, it smells really bad." And yeah, they say, "Oh, that's just the slaughterhouses." And then they pick up the hitchhiker. Yes. And things get a little nuts. <laughs> and this is very early on in the movie. Yeah, and this is very savvy too. Like they just see a hitchhiker who looks obviously insane. <laughs> And I think they're like, you know, I think the actual dialogue is, there's a hitchhiker. Let's pick him up. Yes. And that's the... And Pam's the only one that says, no! But it's almost he- like in a joking way, like, oh, I'm a scared one. Yeah. And then, but I love the scene of him, like, then they sh- shoot it as in, like, they're all, like, backed up in the front of the van. Yeah. Away from him. 
as soon as they pick him up, I think they kind of regret it. Yeah, so the hitchhiker has like a huge, uh, I guess it's like a birthmark on his face. Yeah. Or maybe it's a scar or a burn. I can't really tell. Yeah, it looks like a birthmark. But then I also love he's got like open wounds on him. Yeah. I mean, he's just... He's wearing a weird satchel that on later reflection is probably made from flesh, maybe. It looks weird. Oh, maybe. It looks like a... I, th- I would think it was from a squirrel or something. It looks like a uh, furry, but I who knows? It's a cute little satchel. And he's wearing the uh, you know a camera, so he's uh, again I guess the guy taking photos from the from the first. Uh, well, sequence. yeah, and he has pictures, and we kind of see the pictures. I pa- I kind of rewind it and paused it, thinking that those were the pictures of the bodies, but they look do look like pigs or cows or they look like animals. But then he tries to take a photo of a uh, Franklin. Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, uh, I guess he wants to sell it to him, right? That's right. The idea. And then, of course, Franklin's like, no. So he sets it on fire. Yes. <laughs> um, slices Franklin's arm. <laughs> yes. This uh, is after he cuts his own hand. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So it's just a really bad hitchhiker experience all around, I think. Uh, gets out of the car, covers it with blood. <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> and they think that he marked it. Well, Franklin seems to think that he marked it somehow. But it seems like there's a sim- he thinks that there's a symbol on there. But yeah, well, it is pretty creepy. It's um, very creepy. Uh, but uh, before that, you know, uh, Franklin gave the helpful information that his family worked in the slaughterhouses. And I guess the idea is they've been laid off. So this is kind of interesting. Cause, uh, right. Because they're talking about how, um, and not when they, meaning the, um, the guys in the van, not the hitchhiker, about they're asking about what equipment they use in the slaughterhouses now, and yeah, he's uh, and so I, I, the way I read it or hear it is that uh, things have been modernized now, and you know, now people are using those weird air guns, I guess, and so there's not there's less need for all these skilled laborers doing the killing in these slaughterhouses. So he says something about his grandfather and maybe his brother, presumably Leatherface have been like laid off or something oh well, yeah that makes sense because they talk about his grandfather the grandfather later yeah. and about how good he was with a sledgehammer how he could kill 20 at a time probably talking about cows could be people i don't know but so that makes sense i didn't think about that yeah so they've been they so this could be kind of like why they're doing this now like they've been they've lost their oh, livelihood yeah, yeah. Uh, not so that they're... you need a great reason to be doing what they do <laughs> but but yeah so i mean it, there's a bit of fun commentary in there you know the modernization and then what that kind of you know capitalization run amok or something and yeah look de- left for left. sure well this so, also is um i mean maybe they're trying to say something about like consumerism when did um dawn of the dead come out the um oh i don't know that was the 70s it was 70s like late 70s yeah maybe. and that whole the whole theme of that was the mall and it was supposed to be like you know talking about consumerism run amok and stuff so I'm sure that's played on their minds. Kind of origin story for them. They've, they've just been laid off. They just want to get by. So they're going to kill everybody they meet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, they're eating them. So they're... They are, well, just like the guy said, they use every part. Right. They, they yeah. use their vertebrae to make lamps or whatever they need to do. Yeah. So anyway, again, Hitchhiker makes just a terrible impression. Cuts himself, sets the van on fire. <laughs> but Franklin is also like, he's intrigued by it. Like he like, he kind of thinks, you can tell he kind of thinks it's a little cool. Like he want, he's like he he looks at his knife, and he's like that guy's blood's on here, you know. And he wants to look at the blood on the outside. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't catch it that way. That's interesting. I, well, I saw it more as him just being super annoying. <laughs> oh well, he is very. It's very interesting that they. I don't know why they put him in a wheelchair. It's an interesting choice. 
Um, but then not make him sympathetic. Like he's not likable. At all, yeah, yeah. He's whiny. Nobody else likes him. They complain about him behind yeah. his back. Well, I start liking him because of that, though, because he is sort of the just the one that he's clearly maybe not maybe wasn't invited to go on this trip, but his sister say could go. Well, but, see, there's one part whenever he's like mad because they're upstairs laughing in the house, and he said, and she's he's like mocking her, and he's like, "Come on, Franklin, that'll be fun." So it sounds like she was asking him to come, but then later he's talking to her and he's like, you didn't want me to come anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like, so I that, don't know. That all kind of made me like him a little bit, but yeah, he is annoying. Uh, um, but uh, you know, one thing I wasn't sure of is if he's supposed to be, you know, intellectually disabled. I don't think so. He, Cause they don't treat him like that. And he doesn't. Well, I mean, they're close to him, so they wouldn't necessarily treat him any differently cause they know him. But like, there's for instance, a scene where he goes in the house and he like, Sticks his tongue out and makes his oh, word. You know, there's yeah. some moments like that where you're like, huh. And sort of his sort of open kind of nature. There's a little bit of, I don't know. There's definitely ambiguity because, and I say that because, of, you know, Leatherface is also. Yeah. So is that supposed to be like this weird mirror image of Franklin? I don't know. Mental disability, I guess. You know, hmm. that, that seems to be kind of. I mean, Leatherface, I was reading about the actor. The actor said he chose to play Leatherface as mentally challenged mm. that's just the phrase he used um and of course the movie fully supports that right. <laughs> uh, and so you kind of balance that off of the franklin character who um he, he, he does act more like a child right he's like having a kid around and you can tell that that's kind of uh wearing on the other people yeah so i'm not sure what the movie is uh i feel like i say this halfway through every episode <laughs> and i don't know what they're really doing with it um, it could have been that which is the actor played Leatherface's choice and has nothing to do with the director's themes or anything. Um, so the old man at a gas station has kind of become a trope in horror movies, right? That warns them. Yes, they they yes. do that in Cabin in the Woods the, yeah. as an as obvious one. Um, but in this case, it's very interesting because the old man tells them, he tells them explicitly, don't go messing around people's property. They may not want you there. So I don't. I wonder if they're not necessarily trying to be malevolent but then people keep coming and they feel like well now they're on their land we have no choice to protect it kind of like the brothers in the x-files episode home he doesn't want them to go out there and discover everything but the guy at the gas station that's the guy at the end right yeah okay i'm just making sure um, that's like the dad is he? I can't. Quite or, or I don't know if he's the dad or the older brother. Right. That's that's that was my he's question. He's definitely part of the family. He kept calling. That, I mean, the family, yeah. yeah, or an uncle or something. But, but, but um, so when they go into the dilapidated house, which was their grandfather's house, um, they're giggling a lot. I don't know what's so funny, but they talk about how they used to stay there, and then so Franklin has to wheel himself in, and when he turns around to wheel himself out. He finds that bundle of like that Blair Witch type bundle of bones and the thing hanging. Was that there before? You know what I'm talking about? I didn't. I actually didn't even notice that. Okay. Well, so he wheels himself in, and then he turns around to wheel himself out, and then there's that bundle of bones on the ground with like a feather sticking out of it. Huh. And there's like a hand bone hanging down. I didn't know if that was already there. I must have gone. I must have gone to get a beer at that point because I had no idea what you're talking about. That's well, yeah, cool. they, they focus in on it too. Huh. It's like a little bundle, and it looks just like something from the Blair Witch. Project. I think I was literally opening in the refrigerator when that happened because I I, I kind of know that. Yeah, I think I was just walking around. So it's like fabric and like bones and feathers. Yeah, I missed something. Okay. But I wasn't sure if it was you're already su- there. You're suggesting this happened like why he had his back turned or something. Yes. Okay. Creepy. And then so they're already kind of marking him, kind of like the Blair Witch. And then so Pam and Kirk. 
Pam's out. It's just the smallest little outfit I've ever seen. It's adorable. Like she's got these little tiny shorts and this little tiny shirt. Yeah, she's I, I so thought cute. she was wearing like a swim shoot or something. Yeah, <laughs> and so Pam and Kirk are going to go. They want to go swimming, and yeah, so they I go out. They were going looking for gas, but you're right. Well, so they they go and look for the swimming hole, but it's all dried up, I guess, or they couldn't find it. So they hear the generator, and they're like, "Let's go and get gas from those people." And that house is still around. You know that. Well, yeah, but it, it's been turned into a restaurant. Yes. It's so crazy. Isn't it? I think yeah. they relocated it, yeah. and now it's a restaurant. The property is apparently like just vacant or it's been developed or something. Oh, so so um, cool. The house, yeah, I, I would love to go there. I don't know at all if it... I mean, I think the outside at least looks... Yeah, I so I followed that guy. Um, I was talking about the Dead Meat podcast, and he has a YouTube thing, too. He recently went there, and like they, they took pictures there, and it was really cool. So we can still go there. So, oh. but then, so Pam and Kirk do exactly what they were told not to do, which is kind of become a horror movie trope, too. Yeah, go creep around They'll someone's go house. Creeping around. <laughs> not only that, but Kirk goes inside. So you bang on the door and nobody's there. You don't go inside. Much less And then the he comes back out and then he goes back in. He's like, yeah. Pam, come and see this. I don't care how interesting the inside of someone's house is. Don't go in. Yeah. And this is just when things get just go really wrong. Well, and so the- I think I texted you while I was watching this. I think one of my favorite scenes ever is that scene of him uh, just the whole thing so he comes in and he like he kind of walk runs up the ramp but kind of trips and then when you when he looks up well their face is just there yeah and then just whack then he starts convulsing which is creepy i always find that very creepy yeah, hits him with a mallet or a hammer yes or whatever this wine is yeah. <laughs> and then pulls them in and slams the door it's just it's so terrifying. It's so well done. Yeah. And also, you. so he hears the squealing. He hears like these pig noises. Yes, he thinks and it's the, an animal. And the scariest thing is the pig noises yes. are really freaking Leatherface. Yes. That's so terrifying. He's just back there making those noises. <laughs> yes. And he's in Leatherface. And we're, we say this like, we you know, obviously we assume people watch it. He's wearing a Leatherface. <laughs> he's wearing another person's face. Yeah, there's another person's face on his face. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah but he, it's, that's so funny. Like, it's just been so ingrained in the culture right, yeah. for all these decades that we don't sit and think back like if you're watching this in 1974 if or you're my, for if you're my parents time, yeah. on a date and like and this all happens in like the space of five seconds yes and i just can't imagine what your brain is absorbing <laughs> no. and of course the scariest part i think like he says when he slams the door yes. just on the kind of on He's the camera so mad yeah and you don't know there even should there shouldn't even be a door there and it's steel for some yes. reason <laughs> it's so good um <laughs> And then, like, and you say that the music starts, and I'm not even convinced that's music. No, that's the, it's, it's like some, you're right. Yeah, it's it's maybe a generator or something. I don't know, but it's creepy. So then, um, and this is like 25 minutes in the movie, by the way. This movie moves really fast. I guess it's because they probably just had no money to shoot much. But so then we go right to Pam. They don't waste any time. We're gonna go on to the next kill. <laughs> well, because she's wondering what happened to Kirk, so she goes into the house yeah. again. But it makes more sense that she's going in because he went in. Yeah, so maybe same, he's yeah. she's gonna go in, and they're sitting down having scones and tea. She doesn't know. Yeah. So she finds the um, the, the bone and feather room. <laughs> <laughs> you know how most people have like a nice sitting right. parlor. Please, will you put it? You should make this a bone and feather room. You redid your office very nicely, but it's missing a lot of bones and feathers. <laughs> Lots, a lot of bones. Well, the fun, feathers are the funniest thing. Uh, so I, many feathers. The, um, this is interesting that, you know, we, I just said a few minutes ago that really Scott was influenced by this movie for Alien, right? Mm-hmm. The skeleton thing on the bench 
Which is just so creepy. It's so what is that like clavicles and like? Yeah, I guess it's maybe several. It's like a sculpture of maybe yes, several skeletons. Yes, it's a skeletons. sculpture, and it, it's got some animal bones and. Yeah, I think that reminds me a lot. That that seems like almost like H.R. Giger from Alien. Mm. Um, but it also reminds me of like some of the imagery in Alien, like the space jockey thing. Um, yeah, actually, I'm sorry, I said space. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I'm asleep. <laughs> She's wake, out. wake me up. Um, but I do wonder, like a. Because when I watched that last night, um, that that disturbed me in the same way that some of those alien images disturbed Interesting. me. Interesting. I think it's also just like the idea of like vertebrae together yeah. is creepy to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess the ultimately the most disturbing thing is you're just like, what are these people doing? <laughs> <laughs> they have way too much time on their hands. Right. Um, it's not normal. Um, but then, um, so I, I guess when she's still in that room, Leatherface grabs her she's trying to run okay yes. leatherface grabs her carries her back into the house but this, the scariest one of the other scariest scenes is she runs out the front door but he grabs her by the waist and pulls her back in yeah and then he picks her up like a doll i and mean it just it makes you feel like she has no chance yeah she's and so you, helpless and so he goes into the kitchen and you see a meat hook and yeah and uh, I always think, like, okay, maybe he just, like, hangs her on it, like, by your strap or something. I don't think so. No. <laughs> but, again, like, they don't, they don't show the yeah, hook go in. It's all suggested. You see Kirk's body laying there, and he starts his chainsaw up. So he's going to start, he starts, he essentially, I guess, cuts him up right in front of her. Yeah, but at least he's already dead. I mean, But I then guess. they cut away from it. Yeah, you don't see that. And there's no, like, blood spurting up. Mm-mm. The funniest thing in the world is uh, I read that Toby Hooper, God bless him, he thought he was going to get a PG rating. Because he, he went out of his way not to show yeah, any that's blood. True. And he, he said, I'm not going to show anything. It's all like, like in, well, I guess there's Jaws. There's no tits? No, no, there's no, um, there's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not like Jeff Goldblum. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he went out of his way not to have any gore or any anything like that. No blood whatsoever. Which is funny because it's now considered to be incorrectly one of the goriest movies ever. Yeah. And he really thought he'd get a PG rating, and they gave him an X. <laughs> oh my gosh! They skipped R. And gave but him so X. this was back when it was just PG and R. Yeah, PG R, then X, which was basically porn. And uh, <laughs> and so and he's like, "Well, this this won't work." So he trimmed like you know twenty minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so there's a lot of footage that it was trimmed. I can't imagine what it is, but it's presumably not like blood or anything. It's probably just more you know chainsaw waving, I guess. But the, the distributors are like, no. <laughs> um, well, because it is like uh, when they cut away, they are showing like a wind, like a, not a windmill, but you know, something on the a farm thing. <laughs> um, and all you can kind of hear is like the generator still in the background and just screaming. Yeah. And I guess your imagination is imagining what's happening. And so you imagine it as scarier than it is. But it's funny. There's really no cursing in the movie either. No. Is there? I don't think there mm-hmm. is. I mean, so what's so bad about it? I was, someone needs to do a poster or a Chainsaw Master with like the PG logo. And then, <laughs> yes. Could one of our listeners do that for us, please? Uh, I love it. That would um, be great. We'll send you a sticker. So now we're left with like, Jerry. Sally and Franklin. Sally and so there's three left. And so you also, and then you see too, again, like how everyone's just kind of putting up with Franklin. Because like uh, Jerry's teasing him about how that guy's going to come kill you. Kind of like how you teased your little brother. Yeah. You know? Uh, did we mention that Leatherface chopped up her boyfriend while she was hanging on the knee. We did. Yeah. So that's just Made not, her watch. not yeah. scary at all, but that's fine. He's always making those noises. Yeah. He's still, I like how he has different leather faces throughout the movie. Oh, does he? 
Yeah, that, that, I wasn't. I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because I wasn't clear when I watched it, but he does. Okay, so another thing about Leatherface we can kind of talk about is apparently there is an issue with him maybe being transgender. Right. Okay, because he's putting makeup on and he has the apron and he's like, they tell him to go in the kitchen. So some maybe some issues there. Well, what, I, what the actor said was that he has different presentations for his different moods hmm. so during the day when he's doing the butchering and whatnot he just has the, the first other face which is sort of right yeah i guess because they, they uh, do a close-up on that you see yeah. his teeth and his lips yeah and then when uh later when he's in the kitchen he's sort of presenting almost like he's like the the mom kind mm-hmm. of character mm-hmm. like taking and he's wearing his apron so he has a more of a um Oh, there was a deleted scene apparently of him putting makeup on. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the and, and the dinner scene, he's fully made up with makeup. And, and Toby like, Hooper was like, "Can I get a PG now? I took the." <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Um, but yeah, so there's at least three leather faces, and um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, um and I, you know, we also kind of talked. I watched Sleepaway Camp recently, okay, and we thought about doing that, yeah. and then we were like, we don't. Neither one of us are transgender. It's hard to... I would love to have a transgender person on, but I don't want to ask, like, a transgender person. You'll be on our podcast. So and we then, talk about sleep wake. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, can we... What? No, I want to talk about House of Wax. You know, what are we doing? So there needs to be, a, a like, a transgender person who likes horror, but also wants to talk about this stuff, you know? Have you seen Sleepaway Camp 2? No. Okay. <laughs> so crazy. It is on Tubi. It's really good. Oh, my gosh. Well, so Jerry is going to go and look for... Kirk. Yeah, Kirk and Pam who have left. Jerry looks a lot older than them, but he goes out. It's still light at this time, right? Yeah. And uh, so he finds the house. So then he goes into the house like everybody else. Um, and starts snooping around. Oh, because he hears like uh, what he thinks is like, kind of sounds like laughing. So he thinks it's Pam messing around. I don't know why she'd be messing around in someone else's house. And he hears like banging. And so he goes and finds her in the freezer. And then she starts spasming. Which is weird because he opens the freezer and she looks like she's dead, but she was just banging. Yeah. And then she freaks out and kind of flails over the freezer. So, and then Leatherface comes in and hits him in the head with a hammer. And this is what's where it gets super creepy to me because Leatherface is very upset. He's going around like he's like holding his head in his hands, you know, and he's like looking out the window and he's like scared. He's not supposed, that's not supposed to how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like Michael Myers where he's cold and calculated and, you know, so to see like the guy like this freaking out and upset is very unnerving. Yeah, there, there's also this idea that maybe he's doing a lot of this because of his family. Like he's maybe, you know, they're they're kind of maybe abusing him somehow. Well, yeah, they're telling him that that's his job. He has to do it because they um, don't want to. And maybe he doesn't have the intellectual capacity to know what he's doing yeah. or appreciate what he's doing. Um, so so he's the real victim in all this, honestly. <laughs> he still shouldn't hit people in the head with hammers. Well, they shouldn't be in his house. That's true. They shouldn't go into his house. I mean, I mean, honestly, if that if they broke into your house, you would have the right to kill them. <laughs> and they're in Texas. In, in Alabama, you would. I don't agree with that, but that's that's. It, it, I mean, I'm not sure you should go with it into a chainsaw, but honestly, you'd probably be okay. You'd probably get off the hook. I mean, they did come into his house, yes. Yeah. Not, and they were warned. So now it's dark, and Sally and Franklin fight over who's going to go because Franklin. It's kind of scary too. Like Franklin feels like he should be the one to go, but he really can't. 
and you know because he got to go through the brush brush and his wheelchair yeah they spent so, a lot of time arguing about who's going to take the flashlight yeah she has to push him through the okay, face so just this, pops out just you can't even say that okay so this is the scene that <laughs> i mean i if i ever think about this movie that's the scene i think about i, I just disturbs me so much something about him being he can't go anywhere there's nowhere he can go. Yes. He's in his wheelchair. Yes. And, uh, well, they already kind of showed that. Like when he was trying to use the bathroom and he rolled down the hill. He's so helpless. Yeah. Unfortunately, and he rolls out of his wheelchair. In this case, there's nowhere he can go. Yeah. And there's also something like darkly funny about the whole thing. Because like, there, again, there's no one else that really gets <laughs> murdered with a chainsaw except for the guy. <laughs> the wheelchair. The most helpless person in the movie. And I'm not saying people wheelchairs are helpless, but I'm just saying the way he's presented. Yes. Um, there's obviously some sort of weird, sick joke about the whole thing. At the same time, it's um, it's just so scary to me. And like it just kind of goes on and on and on. And at the same time, you don't see anything, really. So, obviously, PG rating. <laughs> so. And um, and it was also scary because all Sally can do is leave him. What, she, what can she do? You know? So, Nothing. she runs. So, she runs into the house thinking she's going to find help runs upstairs finds old grandma and grandpa they're not going to help clearly grandma is you think both of them are dead yeah at the time the dog's dead there's some little dog there too so she runs back out of that no she jumps out of the window yeah, i love that i love it like well because you know leatherface is right behind her yeah in the house and it's not i love the fact that it's not portrayed like heroically like that like slow motion like i'm just it's like there's nothing else she can do oh, yeah she just like she just, sort this. Of, she just <laughs> crashes it and that's like that's that's me yes like uh, i'm i'm out of there because <laughs> yes. she's just so scared yes um, that's what you would do you wouldn't turn around trying to fight yeah. or this girl crashes through two windows yes. In the <laughs> yes she deserves to be final girl yeah um i i, I just clap every time that happens um but and then so the, you have the chase outside the house, which goes yes. on for another what seems like twenty five minutes, which is so scary because he gets so close to her. Yeah, and it's very visceral. It, I feel like I have dreams maybe about this specific scene. I'm not quite sure, but I that, have ma- lot, that makes sense for you. Yeah, I mean, but I have a lot of dreams where something has chased me, and I can't, and I feel like yeah, that's probably where it comes from. <laughs> uh, because but when you watch a sequence again, it just goes on, on, and on, and it. I mean, as far as being a, I know they're not really serial killers, but they're not being very discreet, are they? I mean, he's running around the, with a chainsaw. I mean, I'd say they're serial killers. They must have killed a lot of people. All those cars they have and everything. And also, I was wondering, like in the beginning, when the whenever they first show the house, there's like like a pocket watch in the tree. And so I wonder if those are like and they show other like objects in the trees. I wonder if those are like their uh, trophies from yeah. their murder victims. You know. Yeah, I, I guess I say that they're not serial killers because they don't seem to get the type of pleasure. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like work to them, it right. seems like. It's, you know, it's an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience. These people are kind of coming to them, honestly. Well, except for the grave robbing and desecration. That is a little bit serial But that killer. seems to be like the hitchhiker. And then when the older brother, whoever that is, the gas station attendant owner sees him, he kind of berates him. And he's like, he yells at him. And he's like, what have you been doing? You know? out there robbing those graves he yells at them about that yeah. so yeah okay that's interesting so that's maybe that's kind of just his hobby so maybe if he didn't do that he wouldn't have got all this started but so finally she makes it to the the gas station yeah where the brother uncle father <laughs> right. is uh and that's scary um because you know she barely makes it in there he's still chasing her and then he kind of disappears yeah she uh, thinks she's safe yeah. ish a uh, tangent i was wondering 
the first scene of the gas station, there's that guy that's kind of lounging against the painting yeah. table with like the red hair. Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to be Leatherface, maybe? <gasps> I don't know. He looks kind of small. Leatherface is big. Okay. Well, I just... He's and he, just a, that's it. I wonder who that guy is, though. The camera kind of just lingered on him a little bit. And yeah. Knowing that, well, if the if the guy that owns the gas station is the, the dad or whatever, maybe they all kind of hang out there and... Um, but, but I don't know if the timing really works out because it seems like Leatherface is already the hell. I don't know, but that's what I was thinking. Well, and also, so Gunnar Hansen plays Leatherface. So it seems like he would also have been credited as the guy. Oh, okay. I, I don't know if he was or not, but like, uh, so Jim Seedow plays the gas station attendant. He just credited it as old man. So it doesn't really even say oh. their relationship. Um, I did think it was hilarious when he, he like disables her with a broom. Yes, it's terrifying though. <laughs> it is scary, but I mean, she just got changed for forty five minutes with a chainsaw, and this guy just gets a broom and like starts tapping with it. She's like, Ugh, "I'm out." <laughs> yeah, she's had enough. Yeah, but that uh, that is funny. Um, it's kind of a comedy in a way. But I wonder why he also feels the need to bound and gag her. She he would have she would have gotten in the truck with him. You think so? She was she was holding on to him as he was leaving, saying, "Don't oh, leave." Oh, yeah, yeah. She could have he could have said, "Just hop in the truck. I'll take you." Yeah. Um, but then I guess maybe she would he would have realized that they're going she back would've, to the house. Yeah. yeah. But that is the one of the creepiest scenes too. Whenever she's in the bag and he starts poking her and laughing, you know, he's like poking the bag. So he's pulling back up, and then we see the hitchhiker. And we realize that they're all kind of getting together. Yeah, you kind of realize this is all one big family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's no mother figure left. So that's why I, I wonder... I guess that mother is that dead corpse. Yeah, the... so she's been dead probably for a while. Right. So oh, we... well, I guess that'd be the grandmother. I don't know. That's the grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. I have it as grandpa nearly dead. Dad, question mark. <laughs> I have dad, question mark, too. <laughs> Leatherface and hitchhiker brother. Um, so, so four of them. So maybe yeah. they want to bring Sally in to kind of have that, feel that... Oh, female. Okay. So sweet. Um, <laughs> they put her at the head of the table. Maybe it was where grandma sat. So maybe they want to kind of keep her around, but also they're psychopaths. So yeah. they, they are all kind of dressed for dinner too. And this is when where Leatherface is dressed. He's kind of dressed up, you know, he's wearing makeup and yeah. he's a, it doesn't quite register at first cause you're, you know, again, he's wearing the leather face. Um, but, um, they are kind of having fun with this idea of this sort of family dinner. But I think what I thought of Leatherface before I saw this movie was I put him in the same category as Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers. And I thought he was just this really scary, you know, cold calculated killer. So then to see the movie and see how he really is, again, that's just so much more disturbing. Yeah. God, what do you see part two? <laughs> We'll have to watch part two at some okay. point. That's like the Halloween three of. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's so good, but yeah. Well, you, you have this extended you know dinner sequence. There's some sort of. They, well, they go get grandpa. Yeah, she. Uh, he sure to suck on her finger. Oh my god. That was apparently really blood. They. Um, I read that they tried to do fake blood. It wouldn't work for some reason. So she just cut her finger. She's like fine. What? Yeah. And uh, he really sucked it, or did they clean it off first and then put it? I don't know. I didn't. They didn't say that on Wikipedia, but I think, yeah. Uh, and apparently that whole shoot, is, particularly the dinner scene, was just a nightmare. They all, you know, they were 
shooting that in that house and it was in broad daylight outside so it was like 110 degrees oh they didn't have gosh. any air conditioners that's what kind of adds to the movie too is like the, th- the stickiness you feel because yeah. they're all hot and it's they all stunk really bad oh um, and they were doing it for like seven days mm-hmm. and the guy that played the grandfather would not get out of his makeup it took like five hours to put on he's like fuck that just keep filming so they had to keep filming so they because they couldn't get him out of his makeup he wouldn't do it uh, so they filmed for like seven days. They all hated each other. They all hated Toby Cooper. Toby Hooper. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. Oh my gosh! Well, I I had uh, heard somewhere that you know the Texas Monthly they write a lot of good articles. And so Skip Hollinsworth is an is a, he wrote a book about one of the first serial killers in the United States, not H. H. Holmes, but someone else. And I haven't read it yet, but I want to. But he writes a lot of articles for the Texas Monthly. They're supposed to be great. He's a great author. And he wrote one about the the background of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We'll have to look that up. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, it was apparently, by all accounts, just an insane, crazy shoot. The guy that played um, the hitchhiker said if he ever saw Toby Hooper again, he would kill him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and Toby Hooper said, well, they all got over it. <laughs> um, and it wasn't like a Stanley Kubrick thing where he was trying to like push them to some end result. It was just a crazy shoot. He, this is his first movie. He wanted to get it done. They only had so much money, so they had sure. to. They, they, you know, they had to shoot all nights because they couldn't spend money renting this equipment for much longer. It was, it was that type of deal. He wasn't right. like, but they all wanted to kill him. Oh my gosh, I could never be in that position. And think about, um, you know, uh, Marilyn Burns, uh, Sally, like, yeah, having to. I mean, the last forty-five minutes of the movie, she's basically screaming, mm-hmm. covered for, in blood, for a sustained. She has no dialogue after that; just screams. Yeah. Um. The blood at the end of the movie, most of that is really hers because she got cut right through the underbrush. What? Yeah, not all of it, but some of it. Yeah, it was crazy. And um, and then she um, signed up for his next movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also, they tie her to the chair and it looks like fresh arms underneath her. Did you notice that? That must yeah. be one of her friends. Oh, I didn't know they noticed they were fresh. I thought they were like more like skeletal. They look fresh. Okay. Well, that's terrifying. Thanks for that. <laughs> At one point, they call her a bitch hog. That seems like yeah, quite, that's uh, one of the only real curse words. And, and then they, you know, they say "kill the bitch" at the end. That's mm. probably it. Peachy. Well, then yeah. at one point, she tries like um, the actress. She's like at the beginning, she's not. She's a she's a fine actress at the beginning, but then at the end, she really turns it on. Maybe that's also part of the heat and the pressure. And I the, think that's just yeah. Because at one point, she says like, "I'll do anything you want, you know, anything." Like trying to be like sexy almost, and she just can't. Yeah, and like, then she kind of just gives up, and maybe, or maybe she kind of realizes that's not what these guys want. That's not going to work. Supposedly, the, the filming in that last sequence was so intense, and again, you're talking about like seven days and like 105 degree temperatures, and everybody's in makeup, leather faces, wearing the same outfit, and, he, and people didn't come near him because he smelled so bad. Oh my gosh! Um, and it was so bad that like, like when the brother tells Leatherface to kill her, Leatherface is like, the actor said he really wanted to kill her. Like he, he it was so insane that they were like just. They weren't even almost acting. Wow. Um, and uh, anyway, fun times. <laughs> so I don't think she was acting in that. I think that's just that was just her condition. <laughs> oh my gosh, that um, was. Uh, it kind of reminds me of The Shining. We're talking about like Shelley Duvall. Like, how much of that was just like I'm exhausted and I've been I've had to do 130 takes of the same scene. Maybe that was her just like actually losing it. I appreciate being pushed to your limits like that, but I wonder how I would fend in those situations i don't know but all that being said i think she's you know a, a, 
as far as final girls goes, I mean, she's one of the best. I mean, yeah. she gets it all right. She's covered in blood, as yes. I always appreciate. She, I mean, there's so much screaming and writhing. I mean, all so much physicality to it, too. Yeah. And then so they decide that. she's always fighting. She never gives yep, up. Yep, yep. Again, runs through two windows. Yep. She's like, fuck this every step of the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she, I mean, yeah. So so then they say that Grandpa's going to kill her. I like that she stops the truck driver. And in any other movie, the truck driver would have been killed. Yeah. But the truck driver just ran off. Yeah. I was so happy. Fun. He's a little chubby. He just ran <laughs> off. Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, and then the, and th- this is, I think, just to bring it back to summer school. This is the scene they show in summer oh. school, and that'll rewind and be like, okay. Well, know. again, those those last two scenes are two of the best scenes ever. Yeah, they in were anything. so insane. I think there's something very creepy about being in daylight too in yes. the morning. Like, well, the, the, so as soon as she de- jumps through the window, and you're like, oh shit, it's daylight. Yeah, it makes it extra creepy because it there's no, I don't know, obvious sort of horror things kind of like the shining mm-hmm. um and it's also disorienting because you've just been in a house like i said she jumps out and there's just I'm, I'm, I'm from, it almost reminds me of like you know you wake up you're like hungover or something you're like walking outside and things are all just kind of off and weird yes and it, for some reason it'd be creepier for me to discover to come across a guy chasing girl with a chainsaw at six in the morning it would be right. at midnight i'm not sure why oh yeah for sure <laughs> that's just not supposed to happen for sure um, and then so then the hitchhiker gets run over by the truck Yes, and that's great. I'm not sure how they did that. I, didn't, I mean, maybe that that was one of the scenes that he cut. But there was a close up of him like smashed, which, which was kind of a bummer because like he probably worked really hard. Yeah. This whoever did the special effects, and then they're like, "We got to cut." I'm sorry, buddy. We got to cut that smash body. I'm just gonna keep repeating. He thought he was gonna get a PG. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying that. He's like, "There's no tits." <laughs> I mean, you can see the tits through the shirt, but. <laughs> And yeah, you can see her, almost see her vagina through her tiny shorts, but. <laughs> um, but that, anyway, the last scene on the road is is pure chaos. It's, it's so good. Uh, but then, the, I mean, the sun rising, and Leatherface just twirling that chainsaw around. Yeah. It's amazing. And she gets away, and. Uh, yeah, and she's fine. And then she kind of, it, you know, reminds me a little bit of the end of Midsummer. Like, what exactly is that? Um, yeah. Like she kind of, she's kind of laughing a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. She's just gone insane yes. at that point. Which is actually scarier because you think oh she got away but she's not okay and she never will be okay yeah, and she lost her brother it's she, yeah she might have <laughs> been okay with that well she lost him in a pretty bad way that she had to watch and i'm sure she's like she's not gonna forget that um but yeah that was a just a really bad night for her it is interesting that when it came out you know i, I mean it was a big hit as far as that goes mm-hmm. but you know for sure the critics you know i think roger ebert said something like um there's absolutely no point in this movie uh it's pure evil you know something like that oh my gosh he may have come back on it later as he did but but it wasn't really respected at all like it is now like now it's just universally acclaimed i think yeah it's also hard to look at it without everything that it has influenced since yeah. so this is on netflix good on netflix for having a, a classic movie on you know they i mean it, it still is so good it's still very scary it looks great I, I love the the seventies style of it. Yeah, this is a, I guess this is a movie that once I know kind of all the beats and I'm kind of okay with it, I, I can watch it. Yeah, you know, I, I can I enjoy it more and more. But the first few times I watched it, I mean, like the twenty minutes inside the house at the end is still very disturbing to me. The rest of it I enjoy. Yeah, I, the things that for some reason disturb me the most is just Leatherface chasing her through the woods. Mm. It's and it, I just can't. I mean, once she actually, and like, oh, Chris, Leatherface. 
it's a skin face <laughs> right. of a person. Right. We forget that, especially because you hear leather face, and so you kind of think yeah. leather. But you know, you forget that also human skin can be made in tanned and then made into leather. Right. But I mean, the him chasing her through the woods is so scary to me that when she actually gets to the house and is bound up and gagged, I'm actually kind of relieved. Like, okay, she's gonna relax. She can relax a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, so anyway, fantastic. Five movie. stars. Yeah, good, five stars. Uh, five chainsaws. Good job. Five hammers. Five chainsaws. Um, Toby Hooper went on to do the Salem's Lot miniseries. Oh, right. Yeah, which I don't think I ever made you watch, but that's obviously. I've seen Salem's Lot. Okay, yeah. All right, so um, we're back after that break. Uh, I'm a little worried, as usual, about what. Um, god-awful true crime you're going to have for me. Well, you already know, though. We already talked about it a little bit. We did a little bit. Um, but well, you, but you didn't know if that's the one I was going to do. I wasn't sure. And I, I went knew, back and forth, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was coming at some time. and um, <laughs> But I guess, really, I, I can't imagine the true crime being as disturbing as the movie. So there's that, right? Or is it worse? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a good question. We'll have to uh, answer that at the end after okay. I go through it. Excellent. And, and, and so I did decide to go with Ed Gein. Because after rewatching Texas Chainsaw again, it's just there's too much that's that's so similar to Ed Gein. So I was saving Ed Gein for Psycho, or one of those famous movies that Ed Gein is based on. Yeah, but I mean, we may never ever get around to Psycho. I mean, we we'll keep mentioning it, but we don't we don't ever quite pull the trigger. So this could be our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so he was the inspiration for the guy who wrote. The book Psycho Robert in 1956. Block, right? Yes. Okay. And then obviously the Hitchcock movie and then even up to, you know, the new Bates Motel TV show. There's a lot that's similar, but there's just so much more in Texas Chainsaw. So we'll have to figure out a different true crime for Psycho, which is sounds kind of weird because everyone, that's one of the most famous ones. But we'll be unpredictable. So Yes. Well, so I also thought it was just timely because I did that serial killer roast, you know, and I played Patrick Bateman, complete with bloody rain jacket, and it was really fun. And so, but another guy, another comic played Ed Gein, and he came like in a little, in a little hat and a what is Ed, What does Ed Gein look like? I can't quite, I guess I could pull up my iPad, but um, he kind of just <laughs> looks like a old timey farmer, hmm. uh, just like a normal looking guy. And so I, some of my Ed Gein jokes, I like, because I was Patrick Bateman, so I'm all about fashion. And so I like made jokes about them having like, like Prada having a Ed Gein line come out on Fashion Week. Examples that we'll give later, that stuff that Ed Gein actually made. (laughs) Uh, But it was really crazy. Um, We should have video of it. So I'll post it when we get it because everyone did so well. So we had a Hannibal Lecter. We had someone play Casey Anthony. Oh, Jesus. We had someone play Arlene Warnos. We had a Jim Jones. Uh, we had an Ed Gein and uh, Ed Kemper. <laughs> so, and then the the host played John Wayne Gacy. Now, I think it was tasteful, as well, tasteful as it could possibly be, because we only roasted the serial killers, you know? Like, we really just just talked about them and their mommy issues and you know how fucked up they were i how think people possibly talk about casey anthony then um but just how, what a piece of shit she is yeah. i feel like you've okay. done several casey anthony jokes even outside the roast have you i don't know one, the one, one the disney roast that you <laughs> yes i did i did 
I think about that because someone said, like, you know, in the Mickey voice, you know, Kristen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, Ted Bundy was also there. We got to roast Ted Bundy. You say burn, Bundy, burn? I did. Oh, good. I said it very loudly. <laughs> I said, I that's how I ended my set. I said, I have two things. Oh, I said, I need to return some videotapes. And then I said, I have two things to say before I go. Burn, Bundy, burn. And I said, stay sexy and don't get, and everyone yelled out, don't get murdered because we had a lot of murderinos there from the My Favorite Murder page. And they loved it. Okay, so Ed Gein. So Ed was born in 1906 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. His mother, Augusta, was extremely religious, like to the point where it was child abuse. She told him that all other women besides her were whores and were evil which is kind of a theme of a few of these serial killers. Well, she was we've being heard. honest. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you say this was this was the 20s? Is that what you said? 1906. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Turn of the century. <laughs> Who knows what's going on? His dad was abusive and an alcoholic. He had an older brother named Henry, so he was the second child. I think his mom. One of those stories too, where his mom wanted a daughter. She had another son. And she wasn't happy about that. So they were living in La Crosse, Wisconsin. The dad was kind of in and out of jobs, couldn't really hold a job down. They ended up moving to an isolated farm in Plainville, Wisconsin, when he was a kid. And so it's him, his mom and dad, his older brother. He stays home most of the time. His mom kind of keeps him indoors, keeps him under her wing, as it were. Again, telling him he should never be around women never have sex he ha- never no he she made them promise her that they would die virgins why do you think she was like that just religious i mean she had sex i know but apparently she hated having sex oh, she, so she's, so she's like the mom and carrie kind of yes i don't know what she what would she call their dirty pillows <laughs> yes but what would she call their like penises i guess she'd have some name for it <laughs> there <don't> <laughs> I don't have the, you know, carry some other dictionary. Anyway. <laughs> but but he, that's very similar. Yeah. Because yes. in that book or the movie, she, you know, she talks about it and she hated it. But then the parts that she liked, she hated even more because it made her feel so bad. Yes. So she hated having sex with her husband. She hated her husband. She didn't like much. She liked Ed. And that was pretty much it. And even that was was a very abusive, domineering type relationship. Well, I guess back then, you know, you would maybe... I mean, I know you wouldn't be forced in marriage, but maybe she had limited options. So she, if her husband was just a gross pig, I mean. Yeah. And I don't know what her story is before that, where she came from, what her upbringing was. So who knows? Sad. So he was kind of an odd kid. He went to school, but he was quiet and shy and he had a reputation of like laughing to himself. He, he thought something was funny in his head, losing his mind. Like the Joker, yeah. Yes. He's just like the Joker. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I, I, okay. So in 1940, his dad had a heart attack and died. And this was great for Ed because he got more attention from his mom. So you said 1940? Yes. So he's super adult at this point. Yes. Okay. And he lives with his mom? Yes. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and even up to this point, he still hadn't gone out much. And so, he, like you said, he's a super adult. And... <laughs> <laughs> So he starts going out around town and getting jobs. You know what his favorite job was? No. Babysitting. Oh, God. He loved kids. His mental capacity was stunted by his mother, I'm sure. And he probably wanted to regress um, back in the time of being a, a kid. I don't know. Because, again, he's he's a, an adult. Even Ed's brother, Henry, 
it's his older brother and he's like vocally worried about the relationship between him and his mother i think his brother kind of grew up and was like this lady's crazy he like had a relationship with a woman and i think he was planning on marrying her i think she had kids too and so that was a big no-no to the mother to have kids oh she had kids but yeah okay gotcha and so henry would like talk bad about ed right in front of his mom and belittle him and you know tell him that he was way too attached to mom so in 1944 henry and ed were burning their fields down you know how farmers do they were farmers by the way they had crops <laughs> they did i mean they did all kinds of stuff they tried to grow, grow crops they had issues with with that they would have failed crop seasons and so they would go around and they were like kind of handymen around the town again they would babysit and stuff like that but the fire got out of control and ed couldn't find henry so ed went to the police and they came back but strangely ed took the police right to henry's body which is very suspicious because he was saying he didn't know where he was he thought maybe he got trapped in the fire but then he was like oh there he there he is so Um, what's the theory on that that he um not that he said the fire. Well, I guess they did set the fire, but he may have set the fire. He may have saw that as an opportunity because, like, so Henry's body wasn't even burned. He had some bruising, which, again, if you're on a farm, maybe you you probably get hurt all the time. But it could have been. So he died of asphyxiation. Hmm. So I mean, to me, it seems like possibly he knocked him out and left him there while the fire was burning. But he went to go get help. So he wouldn't get caught. But then again, like when you t- think about his mental abilities, especially later when you find out what he was doing, I don't know. But anyway, he died. So now Ed has got his mom all to himself. And she like, he's, he's sleeping in her bed. Uh, it's, it's just great. It's wonderful. But So that was 1944. In the 1945, she has a stroke. And she is debilitated. And so he takes care of her, dotes on her, bathes her, whatever she needs. But then later that year... She dies. And Ed says that he lost his best friend. Well, similar to Psycho, I mean, he lives in that big house and he locks up. He leaves the rooms um, in the pristine condition that she left them. You know, he locks all the doors of her room and like the sitting room and doesn't go in there. The rest of the house becomes just like squalor. He lives in filth. It's kind of like reminded me of the guys in My Brother's Keeper. You know, when we did that story about the brothers who lived up and everything was just falling apart and a mess. And that's how he kind of lived, except for those rooms that he locked up. So this is where it starts to get a little dark. So in 1954, a woman named Mary Hogan goes missing. She was a tavern owner and Ed would make jokes like, oh, she didn't go missing. She's up at my farm. And people would be like, oh, crazy Ed. What's he talking about? Um, even though no one knew what happened to her. So then another few years go by, and in 1957, a woman named Bernice Warden, who owned a hardware store in town, disappeared. So the last person in the store was Ed. There was a receipt from Ed buying antifreeze. Her, her, uh... Is that why you're asking about antifreeze? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't remember what that stuff was called. Let's love that, you know, any random... Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Horses about a serial killer. <laughs> so the police kind of put together that Ed was the last person to see her. And so they go up to Ed's farm. They find, Chris, they find Mrs. Warden hung upside down by her ankles in the barn. She's been shot with a twenty-two caliber and sliced down the middle and gutted like a deer. 
Her head has been cut off. Jesus. And it was later found in a burlap sack. One of the people who found her body was her own son. So he probably wasn't too happy. No. One of the reputations about him was that he, just like in Psycho, he wouldn't hurt a fly. And so he didn't go deer hunting, you know? And so everyone thought, oh, he wouldn't hurt a fly. He he can't even shoot a deer. And yet he's dressing, field dressing of a deer to this woman. Which also kind of reminded me of Hannibal. The Garrett Jacob Hobbs character yeah. does that same thing. Well, they they do they um, kill animals too, but he's teaching his daughter how to field dress these animals in preparation of doing it to humans. So this is 1954, so that means he's about 50. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty unusual for someone to start this type of thing when they're... Well, he, he, he'd been doing it a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is what they discover when they get to the house. So then they go into his house. They find four heads in plastic bags, skulls, masks made out of faces, just like Leatherface. Uh, one of the officers looked like, one of them looked so lifelike and it had lipstick on that if he said, like, if you would have known who it was, you would have recognized them. Oh, my God. He also had... Just like in Silence of the Lambs, he was building a woman's suit. He had a corset of skin, leggings, and socks made out of human skin. Because he wanted to be in the skin of a woman, so that way he could be closer to his mother. Well, I mean, do you think he was using like a sewing machine? like in Yes. Well, I don't know if he even had a sewing machine. He may have just done it by hand. I don't know. I, I, he, maybe he did, because this is a lot of work. I'll tell you what else he did. So also what they had in there... There was wastebaskets, lampshades, uh, chair covers, all made of human skin. He had a box of vulvas. Now, that's the out part, outside part of a vagina. Oh, okay. I was, I was hoping you meant... I don't know what nope. difference it makes, I guess. But. <laughs> There's a big difference, I think. They, he, had, he, he used lips to put like on the window shade poles. So like right there above your head, like where you'd have those things. He had human lips to pull them up and down. What? Yes. I mean, I guess he's creative. He could have been at that arts fair today. He definitely could have. (laughs) Come into my booth. (laughs) (laughs) He uses all the parts. (laughs) Just like the family in Texas Chainsaw. Oh, God. It's disgusting. There were skulls on his bedposts. Bowls made out of human skulls. So he would eat, like, food out of... This is real? Yes. And it's also 1954. Or 1957, you know? So can you imagine? They've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. I mean, maybe Jeffrey Dahmer in the 90s. But they, what were they thinking? Like, they were just thinking, well, this is the end of the world. This is, are we going to find guys like this all over the world now? And they have, they'd have no clue that this was just such, such an oddity, you know, that would never be seen again. But I just wonder what those people thought. And they were just like, well... I guess it's the end of the world, and we're all just going to start eating each other. Okay, well, there's more. (laughs) So they found, so the woman who went missing the few years before, they found her face made into a mask, Mary Hogan, in a paper bag. They found her skull. They found Bernice Warden's heart. Why do I think that you, I thought you told me earlier that he was, um, that he didn't kill that many people. He didn't. Well, hold on. What? The most, he found, they found four noses, which I thought was odd. Well, the, the, the most, one of the most famous things, I think, is they found a belt made out of nipples. It's just... Uh, I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> so it's 
just like nipple, 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 nipple with like a belt buckle on it. And you can see pictures of it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Well, you mean online? Yes. Or in your scrapbook that you have? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So all of this stuff was taken and they took photos, but they destroyed it all. So what? They destroyed the things. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, yeah, so you're saying, so, like, he he is not even technically a serial killer because, so he admitted to killing Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden. Was it his brother? No. Yeah. He was grave robbing. Oh. Yes. Okay. So he would go out at night. They found about nine confirmed graves that he robbed, and they dug them back up, and there was... They were empty, which is very, very creepy, too, you know? Or sometimes he would leave. He would, like, take their jewelry off and leave it in the casket. So, I mean, he's... Well, I don't know. What is he thinking? So, he would go to, like, freshly... Yes. uh, um, So, that way it wouldn't be too hard to dig up. And then, so he takes the body, and I guess no one's going to look inside again before they cover it. So, he became known as the Plainfield Butcher. That was his, his serial killer name. The sheriff who was on the case, he actually died very young. And some people think it was because of the trauma of this. Like, it disturbed him so much. So, let me ask this. Is it that is it like Irresistible in the X-Files episode where he started with a grave robbing and then he yes, led up? I to, think so. And then he the, like maybe the last things he did was kill those women? I think so. So, Irresistible then was clearly based on Ed Gein, I sort think, of. I think that definitely has something to do with it. There, I, w- I wonder how many other grave robbing cases there are that would be interesting to investigate because hh holmes also did that but that was because he needed the he would um steal the bodies and then turn them into skeletons and then sell the skeletons to medical schools so he was hh holmes was always he wanted money 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 so that kind of kind of helps you reconcile with him a little more even though he was a monster too but ed Gein didn't want money he just wanted his mom back. Uh, it's just so it's it's hard to. That seems very. I mean, well, that's an understatement. That is very strange. But I don't. I guess I don't quite get the link to like killing other people and dressing up them at all relating to your mom. But like in Psycho, he just literally had his mom's body. Right. And then so they kind of go a little further with that in Texas Chainsaw, where they still have Grandma's body and they're ro- they are robbing graves, but they're also murdering, and it's just like to turn it up to 11 right yeah and then in, in the signs of the lambs that's more of a he is making a woman suit to become a woman and that's where we kind of get into the trans issues yeah. too because then I, I think i had heard someone say something about well was ed gein transsexual and it's like well no there's well, transsexual people are not making suits out of <laughs> right. this is like such an anomaly that you don't there, you can't say he wanted to actually be a woman or that was not that simple there's never been anything before or since this guy. Did he give... So the reason, I guess, people know that he wanted to, say, be closer to his mother, did he Did he give some sort of interview or something, like he, in Psycho? Yeah, he said that. Um, he also chose the last couple of victims because they reminded him of his mother. They were similar looking. They were also very strong women. You know, they were both business owners. So he saw his mother in them. But he did. So he was arrested and tried but he was found insane clearly so he was put away in a mental institution but then in 1968 for some reason they tried him again and they were still like oh he's still crazy <laughs> let's well he's still guilt not guilty by reason of insanity well he would he, he would have pled that right i mean like 
Yes. Okay. Yes. That's um, still not. Well, like, I guess no. I guess in the first trial they didn't actually try him. Yeah, because that's kind of how it worked. You just yeah. you can't be tried, but. But then, um, they, then they were like, "No, let's, let's try him. I bet it's been long enough. Yeah. It's been about ten years. Let's let's see if he's better." And they're like, "Oh no, put him back." You yeah. know. So then he then he went back to the institution. You actually have to be like really particularly crazy to actually, I mean, get away with that. You know, to, if you, if you ever put that in quotes, because a lot of people say like that, like there's a cliche like that happens a lot of time. It's very rare. It's very hard. Oh, to, right. Very yeah. hard to prove. And even if you do like get off quote unquote on that defense, you're still, you know, you're, you're not really getting away with anything. You know, you're sent to it, like you said, a psychological prison or a facility. Mm-hmm. It's not a whole lot better than jail, the life you're living. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. I think one of the quotes from Ed Gein is like one of the places he was living, he was like, it's real, it's nice here. People are nice, but the people around here are crazy. <laughs> So, I mean, he didn't even realize, I mean, you can be get mad at him, I guess, but you don't have, I don't have that rage towards him for like a Ted Bundy. It's like, there was so much going on with this guy. He clearly didn't realize what he was doing or why he was doing it. And this, again, this isn't something that we study over and over again. It's like, like how we can study serial killers. He was a, such an anomaly. And especially, I find him very interesting too, because it wasn't like he was, you know, like the BTK killer was influenced by son of sam you know and these all these serial killers keep up with each other or, or even in fictional stories like signs of the lambs you know their hannibal lecter is interested in buffalo bill and all this stuff there was like there was no oh, like in red dragon you know the, the two theories yeah. writing to hannibal yes and it, well for ed gein like there was no inspiration this was just like it was all heart he's it a was, true a true original <laughs> yes i mean it's fat there you can't blame it on violent video games or or anything it's just like it was just it came from his psychosis he was also i mean he was schizophrenic but there's still not been any other people that that were extreme as him yeah i suppose it does you know there's you know i I was talking earlier about him escalating escalating behavior but i guess at any point if you're if you're digging at bodies and doing those type of things with the bodies you're going to kill someone at some point i mean when you agree i mean i mean yeah i mean I, I, i guess so and i guess the he Probably after his mother died, he was so sad that maybe when he saw these other women, he started to build up anger, you know, towards these women because they reminded him of his mother, but they weren't his mother. And then it's also just one of those stories that's so sad when the kid is so abused and yet he's still so attached to his, his parent. I do. I mean, so do you think they ever identified the people that he dug up? I, I was wondering that. I was wondering if they went through, but I don't know if they could have. Yeah. Especially oh. because the body parts were all over the place. Um, I mean, that's. I mean, I guess that's not as bad as killing someone, but it's pretty horrific. I mean, that's. It is. That's, I mean, I would hate to. I, I guess I'm hoping that no one ever just found out who they were because I can't imagine being that family member that just to bring this episode really down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was true. Yeah. Um, and I, he didn't go. That's why Texas Chainsaw is just so much more of an extreme. Yeah. But they take those all those ideas. There's a, there's a lamp yeah. made out of a face. He's uh, Leatherface is wearing a human face with makeup on it. He didn't have a vertebrae lamp or anything like the the family did. But it's still just so many things that were taken from it that I just I had to go ahead and do Ed Gein. Well, do you think there are YouTube videos I can watch as I lay in bed at night? And oh, there, there's plenty. <laughs> okay, good. I wouldn't. Oh, there's one more really interesting thing that I wanted to tell you about. So his home 
was supposed to be auctioned off, but then strangely it caught fire and burned down, which um, people are pretty sure it was arson because the town was livid. So that all got burned down. But Gein's 1949 Ford sedan, his car, which he used to haul the victims around, was sold at auction. uh, And a sideshow operator named Bunny Gibbons bought it. And he put it into a sideshow. And he would even put like a mannequin of like a dead, like what would be a dead woman and like Ed Gein driving the car, which reminded me of Sons of the Lambs. Remember when she finds the car yeah. in the storage shed? And I was wondering if oh, it's, yeah. it's like kind of dressed up. And I was wondering if that's, he kind of took that from that too. And so he would. Um, it is funny that there's, you know, I guess at some point, three or four people read about Eggy and they're like, okay, well, I'm just have to write a novel. <laughs> so Robert Blog, <laughs> yeah. Thomas Harris. Yeah. Uh, I mean, then, what else can you do? Of course it inspired so many things because there's nothing like it. But so Bunny Gibbons charged. Um, people at the carnival, 25 cents to see it. He made a lot of money. Well, good for him. I, I, I think I would have gone to see it. <laughs> I, I know you would have gone to see <laughs> okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Ed Gein did die of lung cancer in 1984 in the mental institution in Madison, Wisconsin. So, he, I mean, he lived a pretty long life in his mental institution. Yeah. I mean, I get what you mean. Is I mean, it's, he's absolutely horrific, but it does seem like, I mean, he kind of came by it honestly. <laughs> Yeah, um, so that's little Ed Gein. Well, that was a good one. I'm not going to sleep tonight, as usual. <laughs> and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is on Netflix. Yes. Watch it with discretion. Well, I, I hope it'll stay there because Netflix needs to keep up you know, these classic movies. All right. Well, I think that's it. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, once again, um, I'm going to urge you to join our Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes groups are better. We can cut all that. All right. Well, bye. Good night.